Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in the fourth and final week of our sermon series called Learning Forgiveness. And as you know, what we've learned so far is, first of all, how through the cross, God, out of his unconditional love and longing for the world, has offered every single person who has ever lived the gift of forgiveness, which we just need to accept. Then after setting our foundation in God's forgiveness, we learned about how God has not just forgiven us so that we can live forgiven, but has forgiven us so that we can forgive others. And all because forgiving others is actually what's best for us, or it's the very thing that sets us free. And then finally, last week, we discovered that forgiving others is also how we get to play our part in causing God's king to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or how through forgiveness, we are able to join with God in his plan to redeem, restore, and save the entire world. And it really doesn't get any bigger than that. But now that we have caught a glimpse of just how amazing and life-changing God's grace really is and why it is that God is calling us to forgive others, what we need to get into today to, to bring all of this to a close is just how far Jesus is calling us to go when it comes to forgiving others. And warning, this is probably going to make you very, very uncomfortable. Matthew 18, 15 through 18 begins. If another member of the church sins against you, or if there's ever anybody in the church that offends you, then what you should do is go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. Or in other words, go to that person who has sinned against you and have a private conversation with them to see if you can't get that issue solved. But if that doesn't work, next what you need to do is you need to take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Or if this person who has sinned against you won't listen to just you, it's a good idea to take a couple of people with you to see if you can't get this problem fixed. But still, if that doesn't work, or if this person will not listen to you or anyone else, the next thing you have to do is take it to the church or go and tell it to the church. Or take this issue before the whole congregation so that your church family can provide the guidance necessary to get this issue solved. And usually this is all the further you have to take it because that's usually when the issue gets solved. But still, if all of that doesn't work, or if you have done everything in your power to resolve this issue and this person still refuses to listen, then let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, the way that most people interpret the end of this teaching is that what you're supposed to do with a member of the church who is not willing to listen or change their ways, even after you have given them every opportunity, is to simply throw them out or to excommunicate them. Because for the most part, that's the way the Jewish people treated the Gentiles and the tax collectors. Not to mention, this seems like the most logical thing 
to do. But what I would like to point out to you, which is something that, that might make you a bit uncomfortable, is that even though that is the way that many people interpret this passage, because it does make sense, that's actually not what Jesus is saying here. And the reason I say this is because of the way Jesus treated tax collectors and Gentiles. Or if you will read the Gospels with an eye towards how Jesus treated these particular people, what you will find is that Jesus, oftentimes in opposition to the way his Jewish brothers and sisters treated these particular people, did not reject or excommunicate them, but instead forgave them and accepted them. That's right. The way that Jesus responded to tax collectors and Gentiles, regardless of what everyone else was saying about them, was to forgive and accept which means what Jesus is getting at when he says, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector is not to excommunicate these people because of the trouble they're causing, but instead is teaching us that when all else fails or when you have done everything else in your power to solve this problem and it still doesn't work, then what you're supposed to do, which is the twist, right? Is to forgive and accept them. Or to put this in the simplest way I know, if a church member sins against you, your first move is to go to them in private and, and try to get it worked out. Then if that doesn't work, your second move is to take a couple of members with you to see if you can't help this person come to their senses. Still, if that doesn't work, your third move is to bring the whole issue to the church to see if they can help you make this judgment. And still, if that doesn't work, your fourth and final move is not to throw them out which seems like the logical thing to do. But instead, it's to forgive and accept them. Because that's how Jesus treated tax collectors and sinners. Or that's the uncomfortable part about the forgiveness that Jesus is calling us to give others. But even with all of that craziness, Jesus is still not done showing us just how far we're supposed to go when it comes to forgiving others. Because what you will find if you skip down to verse 21 is Peter asking Jesus a very important follow-up question to this particular teaching. So Peter came to him and he said this, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Up to seven times? Or Lord, given that you have called us to forgive those people who have sinned against us, let's just say that they keep sinning. Or let's just say that they keep doing that one thing that causes all that trouble. How many times are we supposed to forgive these people? Up to seven times? Because surely there has to be a limit to the forgiveness. Or to take this question even deeper, what you need to know about what Peter has just asked is that he's not just throwing out some random number here, but instead is actually suggesting that Christians should go beyond what was being taught at that particular time. And that for most Jews, the accepted number of times you should be willing to forgive someone was three. So what Peter is doing is actually pushing beyond that accepted norm to show Christians just how much further they should be willing to go when it comes to forgiving others. Or what you've got to see is just how radical Peter is actually being when it comes to this question of forgiveness. 
But even with Peter pushing the limit on how many times we should be willing to forgive others, what we learn as we continue is that according to Jesus, Peter's not even close or not near radical enough when it comes to just how far we should be willing to go when it comes to forgiving others. Or this is what Jesus says in response. Not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. And what Jesus is getting at here, which pushes this idea of forgiveness about as far as it can go, is that for Christians, there is no limit on how many times we should be willing to forgive someone. That's right, for Jesus, forgiveness is limitless. Forgiveness is limitless, which means the answer to the questions, how many times should we forgive others, is every single time. How many times should you forgive that person? Every single time. Or to bring this kind of limitless forgiveness into perspective, or to see it lived out right in front of us, all you've got to do is watch as a good mother forgives her children. And all because it doesn't matter who her children are or what they do or even what they might become. What good mothers do over and over and over and over again is forgive and accept. Or every time her children lie to her or disobey or yell or call her names or even wreck the car or throw fits in the middle of Walmart while hundreds of people are watching, what a good mother does every single time is to forgive and accept which is not only something we should be thanking her for every single day because it is absolutely amazing, but it's also exactly what Jesus is teaching us about how to respond every single time someone sins against us. Or that, my friends, is just how far we're being called to take forgiveness. Which, no doubt, is something that most people absolutely love when they come to think about what it means for them. But also something that they hate or or can't stand when they think about what it means for those people who have sinned against them. And I'll give you a moment just to sit with the radicalness of this. Okay, so now that we have spent the last four weeks learning forgiveness or learning about how God has offered every single one of us through the cross this gift that is just unbelievable and then how God hasn't just forgiven us so that we can live forgiven but so that we will go out and forgive others. It's now time to take all of that information, all the things that we have learned and go out and live it every single day. Because the truth is it really doesn't matter how much you know, or even if you've got every single scripture on forgiveness memorized, if you don't strive to live it every single day, or if you don't devote yourself to forgiving others, then you're missing the point. 
or even more than that, you're actually not following in the way of Jesus. So first and foremost, may you come to accept the incredible gift of forgiveness that God has offered to you through the cross every single time you sin so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it really doesn't matter who you are or what you have done or or even what you might do, you are forgiven. That's right, you are forgiven and even accepted by our God. But then, once you have experienced God's gift of forgiveness, or once you have experienced the grace of God that is freely given, which you cannot earn, may you offer that same kind of radical forgiveness to every single person you know. Because living forgiveness will not only change your life, but it will change the world. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we are blown away by what we have learned in the last four weeks about your forgiveness. So first and foremost, oh Lord, um, we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would help us uh, if we just can't do it ourselves to take that leap of faith and just accept the gift that you have offered to every single one of us so that we can be free. So that we can know that we have been forgiven by you. But then once we taste that forgiveness, help us to become the kind of people who offer that same type of forgiveness to every single person that we know. Lord, We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.